We're going to talk about Psalm chapter, Psalm, the second Psalm, and um, it is the Messiah's triumph and kingdom, and uh, we could also declare it as God declares a decree. So those are our, kind of our key thoughts as we enter into this Psalm, and we'll be looking at the whole Psalm in, in sections. So verse 1 is... Um, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? So this psalm implies that, um, that this psalm is written by King David and the situation and that he is writing about applies to the time in which he is king, but also applies to in the time in which the Messiah, Jesus Christ, comes. And it also applies to us and to our day. So... This psalm is a vivid picture of the revolt that is against the Messiah, the revolt that comes against God. The revolt against Christ and his ministry uh, that he encounters this opposition. So it makes us realize that the psalmist is declaring it is his time. It is a time of trouble. It is a time of trial. It is a time in which people <laughs> kind of rise up against King David, rise up against Christ. So why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? Why do they plot? What do they hope to gain? Well, we find that David wrote this about, it's somewhere in his ministry or his lifetime of 1010 to 970 B.C. And the scenes depict the subjects present, find a fulfillment in the history and character of Jesus. Okay, did all that. So the psalm is a poetic structure. It is divided into four stanzas with three verses each. So if you read three verses and four stanzas, you get the idea of what the psalmist is trying to convey. What happens in this psalm is there is a futility that God is trying to express. The futility of when men <laughs> come against God and his anointed, meaning against Christ. We see in this psalm God's determination to carry out his purpose. Often we think that, you no, know, well, people are doing bad things and nothing is happening. Well, the, there, is, there is an imminent danger to resisting God's presence. And we'll see as we go through this, verse 2. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. So the kings of the earth. So why do the nations conspire? Why do they look at what God is doing and conspire to or plot to take it down? This first verse of the psalm sees a commotion among the nations. They are engaged in a plan to bring about the downfall of God. Verse 2 also says he now sees kings and rulers engaged in a specific definite plot against Yahweh and against his anointed. And it's important that we look at this and it says his anointed. His anointed is against the Messiah. That's another name for the Messiah. And um, hence the word Messiah or Christ comes from this word, his anointed. So what's going on here is we find that these, um, the psalmist is talking about in this first section, the nations conspiring, the pl they plot in vain. Uh, the kings of the earth rise up. The rulers band together against the Lord. And then verse 3 says, Let us break 
their chains and throw off their shackles. What, it, what that verse is saying is that the wicked see themselves as being shackled by God's word. So this first verse, this first section here, is about the wicked and how that they feel that the restrictions that God has put upon them. Now, God gives us, say, the, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are to protect us and provide for us. Four deal with our relationship with God. Six deal with our relationship with people. So when people look at this, they look at, thou shalt have no other God before you. Oh, how do we know there's just one God? Well, we see here that this is a, uh, the nations. Why do they conspire? Well, the wicked say, let us break the bands. So they feel that people feel like, if you look at today's society, we find that people feel that the Christian principles are too restrictive to personal, personal freedoms. You know, if you want to be a boy or a girl, you choose. If you want to believe in God or not, you choose. If you want to live by godly principles or not, you choose. It's like you get to choose. You are, you are the object of, you know, you're not the object of God's creation. You just kind of evolved to be in this place. And so you have no responsibilities to anyone but yourself. So in your self-made place of life, what do you feel like doing? Well, in this case, the psalmist is saying, they plan on taking down the, the things of God. We're going to break the bands of our bondage to uh, religion and to God. And it's, 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 I, I don't make this up. People feel that way about God. You know, that, that people, who are, who, people who have a guilt complex have been influenced by this religious um, I forget what they called it on the, in the interview. They, they call it a, a religious indoctrination. So there, are, there is no guilty conscience because there, are no, there is no guilt. There are only things that you can do, <laughs> and if you want to, what's the harm? And, but we know that there is a, a great harm. <laughs> There's a great harm in our own life and in the lives of others. So when they say, the wicked say, they will break the bands asunder, they feel God's rules and God's laws are holding them back. <laughs> Cast away their cords. They will not be governed by a God who places restraints. <laughs> Bands and cords, fetters, are for prisoners. <laughs> and they choose not to be a prisoner of God. <laughs> it's, it's something how that people can stand back and look at something and make wrong judgments. Because God doesn't want you to steal, kill, or destroy. Because God doesn't want you to covet your neighbor's goods. Because God doesn't want you to have any other God before him. Because he knows that when people start making up gods, they make up rules, and they make up rules that don't, aren't applicable. You know, in, in the Old Testament, there was, um, uh, I forget, Moloch, I think it is, the God who was this be this image that people made out of iron and they heated it up and they would throw their children into the furnace as sacrifices to the gods. Well, I won't go to that in our own times, but we find that there is a great similarity when people are 
worshiping themselves and worshiping things that are not of the scriptures, we find that they are what? Breaking the bands and they are not going to allow someone else to tell them what to do with their life. And it's important that we understand that God is not telling us what to do. He's giving us direction as to how we can be the best person that he created us to be. And we find that the, 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 the way of God, the path of righteousness, it, it says that it's a narrow path, but it means that there are restrictions, and the restrictions that God places upon us is for our own well-being. God wants us to succeed, wants us to achieve. He, didn't want, he doesn't want us to sit in a prison cell of don't do this, don't do that, don't go there. <laughs> You, you know, of a place where you are alone and alienated from the rest of the world because you're not allowed to associate with the world. We find that these religious restrictions often are not God's restrictions. He wants us to be fulfilled, that he created us for a purpose, and the purpose he has for us is found in our freedom we find in Christ. Because if I am safe going into eternity, I'm safe right where I'm at now. And people who feel secure are able to make better decisions. That whenever we're fighting against life and fighting against the rules and trying to break asunder, we're more focused on what we can't do rather than focusing on what we can do, what God wants us to do. Acts 4, 26 and 27, the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy servant Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together against. <laughs> they were against Christ. That's the first section. Then verse 4, the second section. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. Okay, what is God's response to all of this wickedness and people wanting to break free and, and to tear down the things of God? We need to remember God laughs at their endeavors. Well, look at all the wickedness. What are we going to do about it? Pray. <laughs> you know, we, have our, we do the best with our laws and so on. But we find that the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. <laughs> One enthroned in heaven laughs. Here the psalm with the uplifting word turns from the wild confusion on earth to the spectacle of God looking down from heaven. You know, the confusion of trying to break free <laughs> and trying to get ahead trying to break the bonds of God. Well, God looks down with scorn and wrath on the fut futile attempts of the heathen against the word uh, uh, that, and against his chosen people. He, 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 you know, it's like, you know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about how that when Christ returns, the Antichrist and all of his armies are going to fight against God. Okay, let me think about this. God who created everything, put the world into existence, speaks the word, spoke the word and the world was created, and you think that you and your evil spirit is going to be able to conquer the king of kings and lord of lords? 
No. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And so we recognize that God is with us and God has a plan. So God is laughing at the vain attempts of people to dethrone him. God is mocking their attempts. <laughs> he, mo he mocks, he laughs at their, ability, at their thoughts of tearing down his kingdom. You know, if the devil knew everything, because he doesn't, if the devil knew everything, he would have never had Jesus crucified. <laughs> His plot to kill Christ fit perfectly into the plan of God. And everything that has gone wrong by the evil of our world and our society, we can look at it that God has a plan. We need to look at it that God is working through us healing us, restoring us, bringing us into a position where he can work through our lives. Sometimes it takes years, sometimes it takes moments, and sometimes it's just the initial presence of God. When the Holy Spirit touches our life and we know that we are forgiven and we know that God loves us and his mercy and grace is for me, that moment in time where the Holy Spirit speaks to us and gives us the assurance, quiets our hearts and says, you're my child. I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Verse 5, he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. For the Lord declares, verse 6, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain, I have set or established my king in spite of all your purposes and all your opposition. God is saying, I have brought him to the holy mountain and I have set him in his place. You know, their plans and God, their plans uh, meant nothing to God. The plans of those who betrayed Jesus that he was taken in Gethsemane and he was taken to the, the, the mock trial and beaten and scourged and hung on the cross. Their plans of destroying the king of kings and lord of lords was futile. God has resolved to carry out his purpose. God has resolved. God has a purpose. Now, how do we know he has a purpose? He promised us that all things work together for good to those who love him. So we have this caveat that says to love God and do as you please. <laughs> because if your desire to please God is first in your life, you will do what pleases him. <laughs> so the action of our life is about pleasing God. They rebelled against the laws of God in Christ to take what was considered evil, we find that that's, you know, and the Bible talks about at the end time, people will look at what is evil and call it good and take what is good and call it evil. Well, it's kind of what's going on in our world today. They now declare that evil is good and good is evil. And they say it restricts the, the, the word of God and the scriptures and the, the commands of God. They're too restricting to us. 
to our society. They challenge the authority of the divine inspiration of the scripture. They challenge it as being just another book. It is not just another book. It is the word of God. You see, I will proclaim, verse 7, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nation your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. It was written, it is equivalent to the idea of a law or an ordinance, that which stands in authority, that which is the, the law of God that is spoken. He refers to it uh, in a way that uh, we are called to obey. And he decrees, it is a decree made by God. It is an ordinance, it is a statue respecting Jesus and his reign. This declares the solemn purpose of God the Father regarding the kingdom which the Messiah was to set up. The foundation of his kingdom, as we find here in these verses, talk about that he was to be regarded and acknowledged as his son and that his reign was to extend over all the world. You see, the, the work that we have in Christ is what Christ is doing in us. We cannot, do, we cannot duplicate anything if we haven't received it. <laughs> We can duplicate our own ideas and duplicate our own will, but God has given us something to give us strength and courage and that whenever we worry about the world, that which is anti-God, that world that is against God, we are to recognize God is in charge and we don't understand why, but we know that God laughs and scoffs at the people's attempt to take the world and change it to something that it shouldn't be. Verse 6 of of Psalm 2 says, Yet I have set my king to establish him as king on his holy hill. You know, we would say that how could Jesus be king on the holy hill? He is the one who died for our sins. He is the one who rose from the dead. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. Death could not stop him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Roman Empire could not take him could not take his life. They could only kill him, his body, but his body was to be resurrected again. And when he died, he descended into hell, and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Satan himself could not stop him from rising from the dead. He rose bodily from the dead. And because of his resurrection, we shall live also. These are the hopes that are established in us. And that resurrection (laughs) tells us that wickedness God scoffs at it. What is that to the power of life? What is that to the resurrection of the dead? What is that to the Holy Spirit working in our life and and keeping us and protecting us and inspiring our hearts and minds by his word? You see, (laughs) you shall break them with a rod of iron. This verse 9. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. The supremacy of God is that Christ is the king of kings. What happens to a clay pitcher or a clay pot when you smash it with a rod? Well, God is saying this is what will happen to those who are are, are against God and those who are trying to put away the things of God. 
He is the shepherd and he is the king. The shepherd means that he is the one who guides his people. He, he is the one who protects and leads his, his sheep. And king, he, is, he has the power. He has the power uh, uh, over people and over the universe and over the world. If he on the cross would have spoken the word, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the earth and start all over again. But he was coming to be the sacrifice for our sins. And it was his love for us, his love for you, that kept him on the cross. Because he knew there was only one sacrifice and it was him. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when people mock that sacrifice, they find that they are mocking God. They think they are expressing themselves, but they will be held accountable for every word. They will, they will be held accountable for every deed that they do to destroy faith and to destroy people's lives. But we will be rewarded for the good that we do, for the love that we have shown, for how that God has moved through our hearts. And he tells us uh, to ask. <laughs> be, you know, and he also says in verse uh, 10, Be wise. Be wise now then. Be wise. Smarten up. <laughs> Use the wisdom that God has given to you. He says, be wise that now then, O kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. The importance of this text, instead of immediate judgment, the Lord and his anointed merciful purpose is awaiting the repentance of those who are, that God is willing to take to heaven. There are people who haven't made the decision to follow Christ. And that's why God delays. You know, in our society, we know that uh, we're being polarized in many different directions, in basically two directions. And we find that in, in also in our faith, the people who believe in God are being pulled to one side and those who are against God are being pulled to the other. Why? Never in history has there been this time because we are approaching the point when Jesus will return for all of those who believe. We are in a time and a place when Jesus is coming back for his church. Not just our church, or our, you know, but all believers. He is coming back to receive them, take them home, resurrect the dead, and we who are, which are alive and remain on the earth shall be changed in a moment and taken to heaven. So be wise now, the Lord says in this verse. It is important that we be wise. Understand the true interest while you have time and space. Understand why you are here. You have a divine purpose. Be wise. <laughs> oh, you kings, you and your people, be instructed. Oh, rulers, you and those who are ruled by you. <laughs> We find that this is something. Those who are ruled by, I'm no king, but you have influence. You have influence on the lives of others. So we are to be wise and instructed in what God wants to do in our life and to, that he would set us free from the bondages of sin. He would set us free from the things that would deceive us. Verse 11, worship the Lord and serve him with reverence. With awe-inspired fear and submissive wonder, rejoice. 
do so with trembling. This is the amplified. And verse 12 says, kiss, <laughs> pay respect to the son so that he does not become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled and set aflame. How blessed, how fortunate, how prosperous, and how favored by God are all of those who take refuge in him. That's us. That's you. 1 John 3 says, Beloved now, we are the children of God. And it, it has not appeared as yet what we will be. It's, putting, it's telling us it hasn't appeared yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we shall see him just as he is. When I look into my father's eyes, I know that I am safe for he has come for me. And we find that in, in one of the most important verses, and I want to jump back to it, it's verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. I will decree what God has said to me. And what is it that he says to you? You are my son. You are my daughter. In all of this, God comes down to it and says, You are my son. You are my daughter. Today, I have begotten you. I have brought you to my side. I have brought you to to who I am. And that revelation is one that changes us from the inside out. God has declared a decree. I will, de I will declare a decree. Okay? I will declare a decree. Verse 7. The Lord has said to me. God was saying, I'm going to start speaking this decree and I'm going to speak this decree to you who are my son. You and I are to do what God has spoken. We are also to speak of his decree, to serve the Lord and do him honor. We arrive at these places of making a decree. We arrive at them through understanding the great I am's that Jesus is. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep to enter in. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. We are connected to God. And what does God want us to say? What does God declare as we as his children entering into his presence, expecting him to return? What type of person does he want us to be? I am strong. I am healthy. I am full of energy. I am passionate, I am talented, I am valuable, I am confident, I have a great personality, I am happy. No, we're not all those things, are we? But you see, we can't be those things without God. And because we make that declaration means that's the direction we are going. You see, every challenge Every challenge that we have, every negative thought that comes to us, we need to challenge it. We do not need to accept it. We need to challenge every negative action. We need to challenge every negative word. We have to challenge every negative emotion that comes into our life. For God does not give us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. 
The soundness in our mind is brought by peace in our heart. And the understanding of what God is doing, he is laughing at the world, and they're scoffing at him, trying to take what is evil and make it good. God said that, will ha- he said that thousands of years ago. That's what those people will try to do at the end times. We're close. So I have a life to enjoy. I am a person of excellence. I am full of integrity. I am successful. I am prosperous. I run with purpose. I am blessed. I am victorious. I am a child of the Most High God. I am healed. I am restored. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I am safe in the arms of my Father. You see, this is a decree. This is a decree that was made for us that Jesus is the Messiah and these are the challenges that the world set up to come against him. But he has made us in this, this psalm. Just listen to this as we read through it. Psalm 2, verse 1. People plot in vain. Two, they plot against God's anointed, Jesus and his anointed. Let us break their bonds in pieces. Evil people think they can break the bonds of God's law in his love. God laughs at their vain attempts. Verse 5, they will be dealt with by his wrath. Verse 6, God declares, I have set him, the Messiah, as my king. Verse 7, God has said to me, I am his son. Verse 8, ask, and I will give it to you. Those declarations of I am are our asking. (laughs) They're not beyond our reach because with Christ, nothing is impossible. Ask, and I will give it to you. Like a clay pot, he will shatter the evil ones. Verse 10, be wise. Verse 11, serve the Lord rejoicing and with a reverential fear. Verse 12, blessed are those who put their trust in God. That's Psalm 2. None of this happens without Christ. He has died for our sins and he wants to forgive and he wants to remove. He wants to restore. He wants to establish us as his child so that I can come boldly into the throne of God. We studied in Sunday school lesson. Come boldly into the throne of God and look directly in the eyes of my father and he will say to us, you are my, fa- you are my son. I love you. You see, God doesn't want to kick us out. He wants to bring us in. And the, and the commands he places upon our life is not to push us aside, but to recognize that there is, there is a holy way to look at life as Jesus did. And he now imparts through his word. And we see in this psalm how they planted evil. God laughs. So in our life, let's plan what is good. Be the servant of the living God. Allow his love to touch our life. Allow his forgiveness to wash away our sins. Allow the blood of the lamb that was shed upon the cross to cleanse us from all evil. And allow the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. He will quicken us to do 
what is right, what is good, what is his plan, what is his purpose. Because you belong to him. Amen? We belong to him. I am his. He is mine. We are together in this. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this divine decree that you gave to David, King David, some 3,000 years ago. And Lord, it applies to our life and to our times. God, you are the same yesterday and today and forever. You never change. And so, Lord, you, in the time of David, sought him out. God, you, in our time, seek us out that we could be your son, your daughter, that we could be held in friendship and love, and that we could be secure in this relationship knowing that no matter what evil does, you laugh, and it will be destroyed as a metal rod striking a clay pitcher broken into pieces. God, you will take care of these things. So, Lord, we pray, take care of us, for, Lord, I am conscious of all my needs, but I am strong in you. I am talented because of what you give me. We are confident. We enjoy life. We are excellence in our spirit and in our life. We are victorious through Jesus Christ. God, all of these things are your words spoken to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that your Holy Spirit speaks to us, gives us peace, and the evil one is driven from us by your presence. The evil one and his faults and his failures, he is driven from our presence by the blood of Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus Christ, let his hand be upon you Heal your mind and heart. Quiet your spirit. Give you peace. Give you peace. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.